Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Epic Fantasy Romance and Romanticy and High Fantasy and all the things. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Delicious. Today is, say it with me, people, it is Friday. Woohoo! October 27th. Uh, if you're on video, I'm wearing some of my uh, Halloween jewelry, my wizard earring, and my dream catcher earring. Dream catcher earring I've had since the 80s. I probably wouldn't buy it now, but it was. Um, I, I don't want to say no problem at the time, but we weren't aware of it being a problem at the time. How's that? Uh, and if you're on video, you will see that it is breezy here. This may be my last outdoor podcast for the season. Uh, winter is coming. Thank you, George. It's uh, supposed to be very blustery on Sunday, and we're supposed to get down well into freezing. We're going to get down into the 20s and so forth. So tomorrow I'm going to be doing garden winterizing. Uh, I'm going to... You know, empty the rain barrels, bring all the plants inside, mulch, uh, do a little bit of cutting back. I'll rake a whole bunch of these grape leaves onto the garden to act as mulch, too. Uh, I think it's funny because I've always been a big believer in leaving uh, leaf litter on the ground all winter, mostly because I've lived in the Rocky Mountain West most of my life. And being in an arid climate, you know, anything that helps trap moisture against the ground is good. But now I keep seeing things on social media saying that it helps with uh, the bees and various kinds of moths and butterflies. So, yeah. who? I mean, I always knew it because I was a biologist, right? I could never figure out where all of the um, social pressure to wake up all the leaves in the fall came from people would say well your lawn could get a fungus i'm like i've never seen a lawn fungus in my entire freaking life so anyway uh, i've had a good week writing uh very happy i got three thousand words a day a little bit over monday tuesday and yesterday um, if you're on video like my finger counting has zero to do with the actual numbers. I don't know what that's about. Uh, so yeah, um, Wednesday I came up a little short. I got like 2400 something, but I'm very happy. I have, um, I've passed 75,000 words. No, I'm only at like 72. Yeah, 72, 610. But on track, about 20,000 words to go, I think. Um, before I begin my revision, and then I'm going to go back to the beginning, and uh, I know I need to add a couple of scenes, but yeah, getting there, getting there. It's kind of funny because yesterday uh, was the upload deadline for my original release date, and I did kind of observe that with a moment of silence. Uh, the one that I would have made had not things gone awry. But, oh well, being zen about that. Um, I also had a conversation, email conversation with Agent Sarah this week because 
<laughs> we were just going back and forth on sort of details of this book deal and now it's sounding like I'm sorry people but it's sounding like we're not going to release the official announcement until like January um, and she stopped short of calling me impatient <laughs> but yeah it was it was kind of a funny back and forth thing um, you know I want to finalize the title and I want to get the announcement up and she wants to wait until we have the final title to do the announcement for branding and so forth which I acknowledge is very smart you know like get the whole title out there and start building excitement beyond all of you who I know are already excited thank you <laughs> um, you know and finally she said you know Jeffy <laughs> we can go ahead and announce without the title if that's what you want but she had said that she thought we should wait till after this revision so that if people requested it you know like for foreign rights or movie rights that we have the revised version and I'm like well that's January and she said well doesn't matter and I'm like to me it does to me to me it matters so it was like okay I'll be a good trad offer author not offer I'll be a good trad author and be patient she's like things are moving slowly right now but in spring you'll probably be like stop emailing me um, <laughs> it's just funny the difference between traditional publishing timelines which move at a glacial pace geographic what is it geological doesn't matter glacial works right um, it's slow that's what I'm trying to say people it's slow and after you've been self-publishing for a while which moves at a rapid rate sometimes too rapid and and you all have heard me talk about that you know you get used to this kind of blistering pace of self-publishing it's like okay fine and so you know putting my energy into writing twisted magic and making my plans for other stuff uh, I don't know if I've told you all but my whole plan and I do have one is finish twisted magic get that released hooray um, do this revision on Onira the uh, title to be decided we have settled on dream thief I will tell you that Onira dream thief they call her dream thief and I'm very happy about that little moniker uh, and then once I get that revision done which I don't have to turn in till January 2nd but I expect to have done well before Christmas then I'm going to finish writing amethyst run and we will see if some of these editors who wanted to see the full manuscript on amethyst run uh, want to buy it and if they don't I will self-publish that and then I will also I mean who are we kidding um, Laura Darnell yes there will be another trilogy in the bonds of magic world and yes it will be about Elise so um, I'm, I'm going to get that figured out and scheduled in so so yeah twisted magic is coming to a very nice culmination I'm pleased with it uh, one thing that I've really been challenged about and I I sent a text to Dorinda 
a mournful text. Because one of the things I'm trying to do is stop the proliferation of secondary characters. And this is a real challenge and, and for many authors. And one reason why I sent it to Dorinda in particular is she's forever generating more secondary characters. If you've read her books, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of hard because especially if you are an intuitive writer in any way, characters insert themselves. But it, it's a real effort to try to like go back and grab characters who already exist for things rather than introducing new ones. And I remember on one book, and I'm probably not going to be able to tell you what book it is, but my, it was a traditionally published book, but my editor said, um, instead of introducing a new character to do this, how about having X be the person to say this? And I was like, Oh, okay. When people ask me for advice on writing novellas or shorter works, that's one of the key pieces of advice is to have fewer characters, especially fewer secondary characters. Uh, you might notice that a lot of novellas, novellas, short stories, shorter works, sometimes they have like only one protagonist or only two if it's a romance or trio if it's a poly, but you know what I'm saying. Um, books with a bigger sweep have bigger characters and that's part of what makes them epic. You know, if we already mentioned George R. R. Martin, we, I, uh, and that's been a thing for him is the proliferation of secondary characters, right? Um, who became, who become main characters and then run away with the timeline of the books. Uh, I don't know which book it is. I've heard people talk about it. I haven't read it, but I don't know, like the fourth book in a song of ice and fire, like goes off into totally new directions. <laughs> people are like, what about our established characters? What's going on with them? We may never find out. So, <laughs> um, sorry, George. So it, it really is an effort to, to keep pruning back that tendency to add secondary characters. And I think I already told you all, I gave you a slight spoiler on Twisted Magic that there are chapters from Elisa's point, point of view and a new character arrived. And that was why I sent Dorinda my mournful text. Cause I was like, I was trying not to have new characters and I just knew I could feel him out there for a couple of days. And, uh, sure enough, he muscled his way into the story and there was nothing I could do about it. People. I'm only the author. So, so yeah, I mean, it's something that you can try to do. It's especially for scope. You want to try to limit your secondary characters as much as possible. Don't add in ones that you don't need to, because even the ones that are there, you know, like sometimes you need them for texture. One trick is not to name them. Uh, if they don't get named, readers are much more likely to come much less likely to come back later and say, Hey, what happened to such and so instead they're going to be, what happened to unnamed healer? <laughs> That's not going to happen. So, but it's a balance, right? Because if you don't name characters, then that does signal that they're not important. And it does 
um, I don't, I want to say degrade the trick texture of the story. It makes it blander, right? Um, God is in the details as they say, meaning that the divinity of the story is in those texturing details. So, uh, what else do I want to talk about? Oh, I want to continue on my morning show shipping. Uh, we watched the newest episode last night, which is like a day late, but you know, Hey, whatever. And I really am interested in how they're portraying this love affair and, and okay. Spoilers. I mean, th- do I even need to say so? This love affair between Alex and Paul Marks, um, Jennifer Aniston and John Hamm. I, I'm inspired by this romance in some ways because everybody around them thinks that this love affair is a bad idea. And I, I feel like we don't see many romances like that where people, um, are so drawn to each other and these two are really painted as being very clearly right for each other. There are a lot of ways in which they are, um, very much alike. They're very similar in ambition, um, and the kind of power and control they want to have their dreams. And it's really well written because, uh, Paul Marks admires Alex. He admires her, her strength and her self-made wealth and everything that she's done. And, but nobody else thinks they should be together and people it's, it's just, um, I keep saying it's beautifully written. I should look to see who the writers are because it's this last episode last night, uh, was all about relationships and accepting people. And even in like people's assistance, um, and David and I were talking about this too, uh, you know, how about supporting one another and that there's like, even between like Paul's assistant, um, Amanda, who is played by Tig Notaro. And I think Tig is just great. I love, love her stuff, love her work. Um, and so she's very wry as Tig Notaro is. And Amanda is the quintessential assistant. She knows everything about Paul Marx's life. And she, even as she disagrees with him and tells him that she thinks that the love affair with Alex is a really bad idea. She also supports him unconditionally. She's there when he gets off of a plane and he's drunk and she's like, you have a photo shoot in half an hour and you're drunk. Why are you doing this? But then she immediately orders up everything he needs to get ready for this photo shoot. And so that's a different kind of love, right? But I think it's really important to think about because it's the ways in which we unconditionally support one another, even if we don't agree, even if we think what the person is doing is wrong. Uh, there's another relationship. Okay. So this is completely spoilery. I, I mean, this is like a big twist that happens. So, uh, if you don't want to know, stop listening. 
But in this episode, Alex fires her producer, Chip. And I was glad that she did it. And it, it really is a sickening moment because Chip has been with her forever. But Chip doesn't agree with the love affair. Um, You're back. Sorry. Uh, it wouldn't let, I had to pause to move my chair and then it wouldn't let me start again. Uh, but here you are. So you got to see me like frowning at the screen if you're on video. Otherwise it was just a big blank pause. Anyway. Um, oh, maybe it was the universe telling me that I shouldn't be spoilering, but I did. Uh, but Chip did not have her back in this interview. He allowed her to be totally sandbagged and, and didn't help. And I think part of it is because, and this is part of why I say it's deftly written, Chip has always had a thing for Alex and he's jealous. He's frankly jealous that she's with Paul Marks and, and that's very clear. And in some ways he's, I think, allowing her to, or did allow her to be sandbagged and that was not unconditional support, right? He loves her in a selfish way, not in a way that gives her whatever she needs. You know, it's a different relationship, producer to, you know, whatever, anchor, news host, talent, um, as opposed to Amanda being Paul's assistant. But it's still a supportive role, right? And Chip failed. I mean, he totally failed Alex. And I was glad that she fired him even though and this is one reason why it's a well-written show too nobody is fully good or bad in this show and you you understand why everyone is doing everything and there's a lot of like oh no not chip but at the same time it's like yeah it's great chip. and then there were several other relationships um romantic and otherwise in this episode and sort of working on this same theme of whether or not you approve of what someone does. And, and I should bring in this one since I'm fully spoilering. Uh, there's the relationship between Laura and Bradley. And Laura discovers in this episode something that Bradley did that was a questionable choice. It definitely gets digs into um, political stuff. It has to do with the January 6th insurrection. And uh the long and short of it is that Bradley made a choice to protect her brother, who was like one of the insurrectionists, and to help him move on with his life. And Laura snoops in her email and because she's jealous and she finds this out. And we're not clear yet what she's going to do, except that she um, told Bradley that she was going to go home. She wasn't going to be at, you know, they've been essentially living together, but she goes back to her own place. And she's wrestling with what to do about something that she a shouldn't have known if she wasn't snooping, but also can she forgive? And it's like, well, Bradley didn't participate in the insurrection, but she did protect someone again out of love. 
out of love for her screw up brother. So it, it's an interesting question and it's something that I want to explore uh, next time, next time, sometime in the future. But both this, the love relationship that nobody approves of. I mean, I know we often do like the Romeo and Juliet kind of thing, but usually there's a few friends who are like, oh yeah, go get that. Um, and in this case, like everybody thinks it's a bad idea and it all has to do with, with what it means politically with the business and everything, not with the personal. And I keep waiting for Alex, you know, because I'm a writer, I always want to write these lines for people, but I want her to say, how often do you think I meet someone who understands me so well, but is also matched to me in wealth and power, um, who, who is not on a lower rung than she is. I mean, there, there are not many people like that in her world. And besides that, she and Paul, you know, like each other so much and they have such, uh, already a very deep bond. So anyway, that's me waxing on. Uh, I hope you all have a great weekend. It's Halloween, um, All Saints Day coming up. Not until Tuesday, but everybody appears to be like getting into it this weekend. So I'm in, in my black and so forth. Uh, winter's coming. You all take care. Bye-bye.